is strictly on uh, audio, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So hi, everyone. Um, it's Lee here. I'm with a very funny guy. He's also super smart. He's an aviation lawyer, and he has a really good joke that I will let him say. Um, but met him at a you know comedy workshop with Judy Carter uh, about the new comedy Bible. We sat next to each other, um, and uh, we had fun uh, during the workshop. So uh, welcome, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. So can you tell us um, what you do? I'm an aviation attorney. Um, been doing that for 40 years. You know, I mostly my practice has been uh, handling defense of airplane crash cases. Uh, we defend the pilot or the mechanic or the parts manufacturer mm -hmm. after a crash, after they get sued. Mm -hmm. And somebody asked me uh, if I could describe what I do in a few words. I tell them that I specialize in aviation transactions and lawsuits. If the machine has wings, I can do the transaction. And if it has one wing, I can do the lawsuit. I love it. That's hilarious. Um, so you also do stand-up comedy, and I think it's just a very interesting combination. So what got you started in comedy? Well, actually, my daughter was doing stand-up for quite a while. And then my daughter, my younger daughter and my younger son and my wife were in Switzerland for three years. So I had some free time on my hands. Mm -hmm. I thought it looked like fun, so I decided to try it. Of course, my wife was shocked when she found out I was doing stand-up. And she said, I'm going to come watch you. <laughs> I thought, Don't do that. You'll cut out half my material. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, what has it been for you like doing stand-up comedy? Well, it's a rush. I really enjoy it. Um, I have the sort of a uh, laid back uh, style of comedy. I'm not really flamboyant. I think that maybe makes it a little funnier because people don't expect it of me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, and funnier it's totally different i love it when i see people who you don't expect um and they just have the funniest material i love it um so uh what's their funniest lawyer or aviation joke that you know? well you know i never heard a lawyer joke before i became a lawyer and of course they <laughs> stick to me like glue huh, yeah then i found out there really are only three lawyer jokes oh. because the rest are true stories <laughs> so what's your favorite one well, you never know. They're they're all pretty funny, but I've got to be careful because um, some people can take offense at them. I do remember one about a um, lawyer and a farmer were in the insurance adjuster's office talking about their claims. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer said, yeah, my building burned down, lost everything. And the farmer said, yeah, well, I had a problem. Flood came through my place and wiped out my whole property. And the lawyer said, how do you start a flood? <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Love it, that's, that's hilarious. So, um, so, we, uh, so how did you like choose your profession? Well, it was actually my third profession. You know, I was trained as an engineer. That was my major when I was at Princeton. I had no idea I ever wanted to be an attorney. But after working as an engineer, I found myself working as a flight instructor instructor and a charter pilot. And I love doing that, actually. In fact, when I was young, my mother asked me if I'd marry an ugly girl if she owned an airplane. And I said, what kind of airplane? <laughs> but a lot of my passengers were fascinated to find out their taxi driver was a Princeton graduate. The truth is, I had too much free time in my hands, and I was 
looking for something I could do for a real job when I grew up. And I checked out law schools. I thought it would be fun. So I talked my way in and I found out I loved it. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 42 years. That's amazing. I love that. Good to have, a, you know, an engineer and a lawyer on your side always. Um, so uh, what was like, I guess, okay. Like what, what were you, what, what, what were you thinking like during your first open mic? Like, and, and when was it? When did you start doing open mics? First one was in 2009 after my wife and my two kids went to Switzerland. I just okay. You've been doing it for, wow, 10, like more than 10 years actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And um, who's your favorite comedian? I would say Bob Hope. Really? He really. I, you know, I, I grew up on Palm Springs. So I always uh, drive around like Bob Hope drive, but like I actually never heard of his stuff. So like, but he's a musician, right? I mean. What? I don't think he was a musician, but he was a very funny guy. But again, very understated, um, very deadpan. That's sort of my style, and that's why I like him. Awesome. And um, how? Who do you? Uh, okay, let's let's do this. Engineering versus law school, which is easier? I actually found them very very similar. To tell you the truth. Oh, oh. how is that? Well, as an engineer, you. Um, you get the formulas, you uh, get the cal calculations, and you determine, for example, is the bridge strong enough, and how much, how much steel do I need, how much concrete do I need? Mm -hmm. As an attorney, it's sort of backward, because you start with the result you want, and then you marshal the facts and the law to, uh, to get there. Mm -hmm. Probably the biggest uh, difference is that, as an engineer, you can deal with facts, you can be a very linear thinker, but as an attorney, you have to realize that the feelings are important. In fact, the one thing I was taught as a young lawyer is when I read a legal brief, you do it the same way every time, introduction, analysis, and conclusion. Tell them what you're gonna tell them, tell them, tell them what you're told them. But as an attorney, when you write the introduction, I was told that at the end of reading your introduction, the judge should feel, not think, feel that your shy should win. Mm. Mm. So and I think as an attorney, you ignore that at your peril. You've got to get the judge or the jury to understand that your side should win based on emotions, not just the facts. That's very true. So um, you, we, you kind of, you, you, when we were talking before, you shared something very interesting. I think you're the only person who can really explain this. Unfortunately, um, one of the great basketball players of uh, forever, and I think really just a legend, um, passed in a, you know, uh, aircraft accident. So what are your thoughts on like what happened? Well, I think it's pretty obvious what happened. There's been a lot of misinformation and a lot of speculation. But I think at the end of the day, it's pretty obvious what happened. The pilot got into the clouds, got spatially disoriented and, um, and crashed. Had he just followed his instruments. He could get on his instruments, just make a 180 degree turn, go back where he came from, go back and land in uh, Burbank and Van Nuys, everything would have been fine. But it's been my experience that when a pilot gets into a situation like that where he knows he's not supposed to be, chances are he's frantically looking for the ground or he's not looking at his instruments. And when you get into the clouds, it's very easy to become disoriented. 
you can get in a steep turn, think you're level, get into a dive and think you're not in a dive, and then it's too late. Mm. And I think that's exactly what happened. Thank you so much for sharing that expertise. Yeah, I'm uh, very lucky to be able to have you because you work on it your whole life. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Because not every, actually, I don't even know that information is even talked about. Um, so great, thank you so much. And um, so I've flown once and it was, it was really fun. So like, how do you recommend me to get a driver pilot's license? Well, there are, you go to, go to any number of flight schools and they'll be happy to sign you up and get your license. Woohoo! All right, I'm excited, this is great. And no, how long does it take to get a license? Typically? Well, it's a minimum of 40 hours. I would say you ought to plan on 50 or 60 because the experience is what you really need to be safe as a pilot. Yeah, and I'm an Asian woman, so I don't know if there's Asian woman flying jokes yet, but I don't really want to be more of a problem. Um, so what's the cheapest way that I can get a private airplane? You know, the easiest way to do it, you can get a, um, an older airplane. Mm -hmm. If you want to get your pilot's license rather inexpensively, I would say you go out and buy one of these older airplanes, a single engine, two or four place airplane, and just fly the heck out of it mm -hmm. and then, uh, resell it after you're done. Wow. Where you don't pay the rental costs. That's amazing. Oh my God. Um, but if you want to do it, set aside the time and, you know, do it on a regular consistent basis. You can't do an hour here and an hour a week later and an hour a week later because mm -hmm. you just don't have the continuity. You yeah. want to do it on a systematic basis and sit down with your instructor beforehand, work out a game plan so that you can do a building blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's great advice. Thank you. Um, so what is it like working in the aviation industry? Well, it depends where you are in the aviation industry. I started out working at McDonnell Aircraft, which is then became McDonnell Douglas. We were building F-4s for the Vietnam War at the time. And most of what I was doing was involved with research and development flight testing. We would make sure that the instrumentation got into the airplane. Any modifications that were necessary were put in the airplane and properly documented. Mm -hmm. and then we would monitor the flight tests and make sure the data got to the people that needed it so we could um, get the job done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. I did that for three and a half years and then I became a flight instructor and a charter pilot. Wow, amazing, I love it. And that's a very different industry. Yeah, I, I was working for a small company. We had our contingent of VIP passengers. In fact, one of my most fun assignments, I got to fly a rock group around for couple of months while they were on tour. Mm. Wow, what an exciting life, I love it. Wow, just so much, you're in the same industry pretty much your whole life, but like it's so much, so much new stuff, which, which I love. Um, so what are your thoughts on drones? Excuse me? What are your thoughts on drones? Well, there are gonna be more and more, you're gonna see an awful lot more of them. You know, the FAA realized they had to come in and start controlling it. But no, you're going to, you see drones all the time. They're so much um, more prevalent. They're not very expensive and they can do a lot of jobs safely. Like for instance, pipe, pipeline control or flying along and checking the wires. You know, if it hits the wires, you lose a drone. You don't lose a helicopter and a person with it. Yeah. And they're not very big. Right. The main problem I see with drones is you don't want them flying around 
airports where they can collide with airplanes. And there have been some near misses with drones. And so there's going to have to be something done about it. There's talk about actually programming the drones so they can't go near the airports. Mm -hmm. But of course, any kid from junior high can probably find a way to disable that function. Mm, we'll see. So, um, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Yeah, I think there was some, maybe something on my end. Um, so, what advice do you have for like, gosh, so many things, new comedians, new engineers, and new uh, lawyers, what advice do you have for each of them? Well, as a new engineer, um, understand what you're getting into. Um, understand that it's a lot of, um, can be a lot of responsibility. Check your work, check your assumptions. Uh, as a new comedian, uh, put in your time. Um, write your own material. There's nothing worse, I think, than having somebody in the audience groan because they've heard that joke before. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the better you get. And as a pilot, it's the same thing. You know, my daughter is now a physician's assistant. We were talking about that. Great told, yeah. Mm -hmm. As a physician's assistant, every time you see something normal, you get a baseline so that when you see something abnormal, you'll, you'll be able to spot it. And the same thing goes with a pilot. Mm -hmm. The more experience you have uh, seeing what's normal, the more easily you'll spot something if it's abnormal and so that you can deal with it. Mm -hmm. I see. There's nothing that really... Uh, it's more valuable than experience. I love it. So do you feel like there's a lot of engineers who do open mics in LA or like, do you feel like you're ever at like an advantage or a disadvantage because of your profession or you feel like it doesn't really matter? I think it really doesn't matter. The important thing is if you find things that are, that are kind of make that are funny out of the ordinary, that's what makes people laugh. Yeah. It always has to have a grain of truth to it. Yes. But yeah. you can find something funny in just about anything. Absolutely. I love it. And um, what do you think makes somebody a good pilot? Well, you know, the Kobe Bryant accident reminds me of something I heard from an insurance adjuster years ago. He said, you make the big bucks for knowing when and where not to fly. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And I think... It's a matter of good judgment as much as anything else. You know, a, a good pilot is one who knows what he can do and knows what he doesn't want to do. You don't take unnecessary chances. Mm -hmm. Now, Kobe Bryant's pilot, in all fairness, I think from the weather reports he had, he may very well have assumed that he could make that flight safely. But when he got into some unforecast weather, he should have turned right around and gone out of it. And there can be a lot of pressure to complete the flight. You don't want to disappoint your passengers. Yes. My experience is if you tell the passengers up front that the weather is not very good and I may not be able to make it, mm -hmm. you'll be fine with that if you have to turn back or go to a different airport. But if you tell them I can do it and then you get into it and you have that pressure because you haven't set them up properly, uh, that's when bad things can happen or when you get pressured into doing something, um, then bad things can really happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that's a great point. So, um, I forgot to ask this. How do you deal with, like, uh, bombing and rejection and, like, just that don't laugh? How do you deal with it? Well, I think the main thing is you just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And if you can spot the crowd and find a way to turn it, sometimes you can get off it that way. But otherwise, you just have to realize that something, sometimes things just don't go your way. And then it's a time to look at the video and see what went wrong. I've learned a lot by videotaping my performances. Mm. Quite frankly, I winced at a lot of them and I realized, did I really say it? Did I really say it that way? That's the way I can get better, is to learn from experience. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story I heard about a lawyer who thought he could talk his way out of anything. And he could argue either side of a case equally well. But in end of his career, he was getting a bit senile. And he was doing a closing argument. And he was arguing for the wrong side. <laughs> and his associate was frantically trying to get his attention and couldn't finally slipped him a note, told him he was arguing for the wrong side. Well, the note, attorney looked at that note and he said, now that's what my opponent's going to try to tell you. Let me show you why it's wrong. Wow. Ah, that's funny. I want to see you like uh, in stand-up. It's going to be hilarious. I love it. Um, so what are your projects? Where are you working on? Right now I'm writing a book and I'm doing a... Um, <clears throat> a talk on life lessons learned from airplane crashes. Wow. For 42 years, I've seen just about every mistake people can make that causes a crash. Yeah. And as I looked at it and I realized that people, the same mistakes people make outside of aviation are the things that cause them problems or even disasters in their own lives. Mm -hmm. I had a colleague who lost over a million dollars when his bookkeeper was stealing from him. Wow. Because he wasn't paying attention to the little things. If he looked at his bank account once a month, he'd have spotted what was happening before it hit him like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how many other times do we know people that don't pay attention to their wives? I knew one guy that thought his marriage was fine until one day he found that his wife had left him and cleaned out the bank accounts on the way out of town. Yeah. I mean... I feel like women give hints, but I mean, <laughs> sometimes guys don't, I mean, you guys don't fix things until it's completely broken. I mean, is that fair well, to say? That's, that's, that's right. That's a little bit fair to say. Women try to drop hints, but I think we're not as obvious as we really should be. And we should really, you know, tell you guys what's wrong instead of just like, you know, burying it in our hearts and, and you know, let it go breed in resentment. But yeah, I just totally ruined that joke. Well, sorry. that's true. That's one thing I've learned. Um, being married for over 40 years, that we do think differently. You know, she wants yeah, to talk things through. I'm saying, what, let's find the answer and move on, and we can stop talking. Yeah. And, but you're right. Women um, drop hints, and men miss the hints. Yeah. And we should and just say it to you. It's our I fault, too. We're just a bit more sensitive to that. Yeah. That's why I'm still married, I think. You're smart, yeah. I'm divorced now, so I mean, I'm happy where I am right now. But it's I learned a lot during my marriage, and um, well, I tell the story that two of my classmates when I was at Princeton were married as undergrads, and they're still married to the same woman 55 years later. Amazing. And I tell the story that one of my classmates just published his first book on how to have a happy and successful marriage 
and the book is selling quite well. The trouble is half the proceeds are going to his ex-wife. That's uh, so funny. Uh, I'm, I'm not write a book on marriage. I mean, okay, now maybe never say never. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but it, wow, yeah, thank you so much for being on this uh, interview. I learned from you in terms of like just aviation and just um, little details of engineering school and everything. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my, been my pleasure.